Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here's a drive to deep left field. The Cubs are going to hit their third home run in the inning. Christopher Morrell with a tape measure drive to the seats. Listen to this crowd. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Ah, you got to love when Pat Hughes tells you to listen to that crowd because you know things are rocking at Wrigley Field. One hour down, two hours to go here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Friday evening, we are taking you into Father's Day weekend. A lot of Bears chatter in the first hour. The first segment kind of talks some baseball on both sides of town, but we are transitioning into some Cubs convo. They have uh, they've turned a corner now. You know, we'll see. You know, because if you're thinking like in city blocks, eventually you keep turning enough corners, you end up back where you were. So who knows, man? This winning what what has it been now? Six out of the last seven games in the midst of a, a four game win streak. It feels good. It looks good. Is it sustainable? Hard to say, but it hasn't been up to this point. Who knows though? Who knows? They, they might be able to get something figured out and keep this thing rolling. Let's go out to the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book, and uh, have a chat, have a conversation with Michael Cerami. Maybe he's got a, a better sense for whether or not this thing is feeling sustainable. Michael, how you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, always better after four wins in a row. Uh, so I'm doing good. It's Friday night. Cubs are winning. Right. I like it. Yeah, life is good. There's no doubt about that, man. Things could be much worse. And, you know, understand some of the, the positive vibes that we're seeing on the field, some of the growth from certain players like Christopher Morrell, who we heard Pat Hughes call that bomb from today. Let, let's start there specifically with Morrell because I, I don't – how important is it for the Cubs to find – a defensive position for him. I mean, you know, one of the benefits that was supposed to be there for having the DH in both leagues was that, you know, if you're not really sure where or if a guy can play defense, then now in the National League you have the opportunity to just DH him. Is it is it urgent for the Cubs to figure out where he can fit on defense? I don't think it's urgent, no. I think that, um, I mean, especially for the next six weeks or so, you're only worried about fielding the best possible, you know, uh, team you can on that given day. And if that includes Christopher Morrell at DH, then that's fine. I do think, however, long-term, the Cubs are going to want to find a spot uh, that suits him. And it's possible third base could be that option. The Cubs don't have a lot of 
uh, available talent. A third, obviously, there's guys like Patrick Wisdom and uh, Nick Madrigal, but so far they've you know been flawed players, not unlike Morel, but without Morel's you know immediate upside and current production. So I think long term third base could be the answer for him, but he's clearly not in the confidence of the Cubs front office or David Ross to play there on a daily basis, because if he was, he would be right now, I think. So for the next six weeks or so, uh, when the Cubs are still trying to win, they're not quite out of it yet, then you can DH him and it's fine. But, you know, looking ahead to the second half of the season, depending on where things go, and into next year, they're definitely going to want to work on that. And he certainly has the, the listen, the athleticism and the, the arm strength for the position. So I do think that could work. And even if he evolves into something of a super utility player where he can play a little bit of everywhere, um, on most days, then that works too. But uh, if you're going to look for one spot, it, it, it might be third base. Now, the Cubs having a hole at third base, and I mean, I'm calling it a hole, and, uh, you know, because we see the ceiling of Nick Madrigal on, on a pretty regular basis when he's when he's with the big club, then yeah, I feel like we, we maybe don't appreciate that he's actually done some nice things. He's He's performed beyond expectations when he's actually been there at third base but he's not the Cubs' third baseman of the future. Morrell at third base, that conversation that seems to have picked up so much steam, is it because that's maybe the most obvious defensive hole that the Cubs have, or is he truly, does does his sort of, do his physical attributes seem like they're suited well for third base? Yeah, so it, it, I listen, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that the Cubs right now are looking at an outfield that's pretty well settled um, this season with, Hap, Suzuki, and Bellinger, and next season maybe with Hap, Suzuki, and someone like Pico Armstrong, if he comes up, Cubs top prospect. Um, and so then you're really, your middle infield is settled. He's not a catcher. So you're looking at first or third, right? So at, at one at one level, it's about where he can play. Um, but at another, it is it is the athleticism. And like I said, the arm sharing. He has explosive tools, um, and he just hasn't quite dialed it in yet there. But that said, I was not a big believer in Nick Madrigal's ability to be a, you know, solid defensive third baseman in spring training when that became the obvious path for him to get playing time. And he's proven me wrong. So with time and effort and coaching and dedication, there's no reason Morel can't uh, emerge as a third baseman. And I do believe he said he was the most comfortable there um, in spring training. He said, he mentioned that, but like I said, it, it obviously hasn't quite proven out that way um, just yet this season, but I, I do think long-term that could, could be an answer for him. But I do think uh, taking away his ability, you never want to take away his ability to move around because there's very few players that are capable of doing that, and he could be one of them. It's just that, like we both agree, when his bat is doing the things that it, that it can, it, you want to make sure you find a spot for him on a daily basis. And uh, it's sometimes a little bit easier to find that spot when the hole emerges based on personnel. So if their base is the, is the way to go, then that's the way the Cubs should go. Where's all this offense coming from lately for the Cubs? Well, you know that scene in Space Jam where they all drink Mike's secret stuff? Uh, that's what they – no, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I think uh, this is the kind of Bill Murray. Bill Murray all... brought it with him from the original Space Jam and just kind of gave it to all the Cubs lineup. I feel you. That's right. Exactly. Um, but listen, this is the this is the offense we saw at the beginning of the year too. Um, this is a high variance group. It was it was kind of the hope, right? And we saw the the 90th percentile outcome in one direction for the first five six weeks of the season, and then the exact opposite for the next. And 
the the fact of the matter is there is a lot of high upside players on this team. We know guys like Horner and Swanson, Suzuki and Happ are pretty consistent, but um, when you have someone like Chris Morales who's capable of hitting 12 homers in 29 games or whatever it is, um, or earlier in the year, Patrick Wisdom doing the same thing, there's a lot of upside. Um, at the same time, guys like Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya are providing unexpected offensive production from a catcher position that you don't typically expect to get that out of. And then you have someone like Mike Talkman who is filling in for Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is another guy who's one of those high-variance guys. But Mike Talkman, who hasn't been slugging a lot, but he's getting on base at a 400 clip. And that's another thing where you're like, well, I wasn't expecting that. And so the reason I think that some of this recent – Momentum has been exciting is that, you know, every year, whenever a team does tend to surprise, it always is because of these contributions from players you're not otherwise expecting. Um, that necessarily requires, again, the guys that like Hap, Swanson, Horner, um, and Suzuki, they need to do their thing, and they are, but you also need these, these, these roll of the dice. Okay, is this going to be this guy's, you know, Mark DeRosa in 2008 or whatever? Um, Jason Hamill for the 2016 Cup, the guys that you're not counting on to be excellent, being excellent. And so lately, that's kind of what's happened, and it's elevated the offense as a whole. In addition to the offense itself being elevated, now the Cubs are finding themselves in a position here where, all right, you get another good outing from Kyle Hendricks today. We've seen Marcus Stroman as a, a Cy Young contender, Justin Steele on his way back as well. There's at least three starters now where you say, all right, you know, maybe none of them individually you say is, is like the, the ace of the future, surefire. But as far as this stretch we're in of baseball right now, if you got three starters you can count on with this offense that we've seen here emerge lately, there might be some real opportunity here to do something. You're only a few games out of first base. Let, let's start with the man who just took the mound. You see him back-to-back. Uh, quality starts here from Kyle Hendricks from what we saw today. What are you seeing out of Hendricks over these last couple of games that looks sustainable? You know, the the part about Hendricks that is encouraging is um, his, he's not quite missing bats the way that you might want, even with his, you know, wipeout changeup, which is typically his go-to pitch in those situations. But his velocity has been steady and uh, back up. I think he's touched 89 a couple times today, which, you know, some people might laugh, but that's, that's pretty much the high end of his entire career. So he's capable of doing that and creating a little bit more separation between the velocity of his fastball and the velocity of his changeup, which is, again, a really important pitch for him. Then he's able to find success. Uh, and he's also had his command uh, has been, has been uh, better than expected for a guy coming back off of a layoff that long. I think we we're all a little bit ready to I mean, I won't speak for everyone, but I, I don't think it would be that surprising to say that a lot of Cubs fans were kind of worried that this this long layoff and, and the way that his career sort of, you know, trailed off, it might have been the end for Kyle Hendricks, sort of an unceremonious end. But, boy, I mean, he has sure proven that wrong. And after a long uh, stint away and, and working on improving his velocity over the offseason, um, it was smart of the Cubs, again, to shut him down early last year to get ahead of that. Uh, it seems like he can certainly be a you know mid to bat rotation starter, and I know people are probably scoffing when he came four outs from throwing a no hitter, and it's like that's great. Let's hope he does that again. But that's not what the Cubs need him to be. They need him to be a guy that can keep uh, the Cubs in the game for five six innings, and uh, he doesn't have to dominate every time. He just needs to do that because, like you said, 
the front of this rotation has guys like Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele dominating uh, lineups like legitimate all-stars and Cy Young contenders. And so that's pretty exciting. And when you can get someone like Justin Steele back and maybe move someone like Hayden Lesneski to the bullpen to sort of solidify the foundation there, that's a, a big plus. And then there's some arms hanging out in AAA that are sort of on the brink of becoming a factor for the big league uh, bullpen and eventually the rotation, but in the short term, big league bullpen, someone like Ben Brown, one of the Cubs' top pitching prospects, suddenly you're starting to put together a pitching staff that makes sense. You hope this would have happened, you know, in mid-May and not mid-June, but we're getting there. And uh, that is just in time because, you know, as I, I wrote an article earlier this week, that this is the beginning of the Pirates series was sort of the beginning of the last stand for the Cubs. Had that gone a different way, um, they're playing the Pirates three more times next week. Uh, they have the Brewers for four, the Cardinals for two in the London series. This is kind of like the make or break point in the season for the Cubs. And so far they've won the first four games of that stretch. So they're on their way and there is still more coming. Just got Bellinger back. You're getting steel back. You get to put Wozneski in the pen and you still have some, some uh, levers to pull out in Iowa. So I'm moderately optimistic, but again, all this is predicated on the fact that the NL Central is terrible. So, you know, in a real division, like the rest of baseball, this would be, you know, the season might already be over, but that's not how baseball works. And all you have to do is beat the four other teams in your division and you can go to uh, some playoff baseball and the Cubs are still in that race. Michael Cerami of Bleacher Nation with me here on The Score. You can find him on Twitter at Michael underscore Cerami. And, you know, the both divisions, both central divisions in each league, terrible, awful, no good, very bad. And so you, you have the Cubs right here in very close proximity to first base, even though they're or first place, even though they're, in, you know, have been consistently in third or fourth place of the division here, but only a few games back of first. And now – Let's shift to Marcus Stroman, where he's leading the National League in, in ERA, in WHIP, in, in quality starts, in opponents' batting average. I mean, the guy's pitching at an extremely high level, as he has fairly consistently throughout his career. And then you get a bit of a, a dust-up between Stroman and the Cubs. It begins on social media earlier in the week. Then you, you get Jed, who you know responds to it, you know, somewhat forcefully. I don't necessarily think he was kind of you know, dropping the, the gavel or the gauntlet to the same extent that, that some folks feel like the reaction was. But he essentially said, these aren't things we prefer to be addressed publicly. What, what's your sense for where this goes between Stroman and the Cubs? Is there, is there bad blood that potentially brews here with a pitcher who's on the other side of 30 that's maybe looking to, to strike a big contract for the last time? No, I, I don't listen. I don't think there's any bad blood, but I also don't think, um, or I think it's very clear that uh, the Jed Hoyer front office does not like to get these things out in public. I think he learned his lesson the hard way with Anthony Rizzo. Um, those negotiations sort of spilled over into the public, became a little bit ugly, and it, and it became a model of what not to do uh, for the team, for sure. But even some of the players, Ian Happ and Nico Horner, both kept their negotiations uh, famously close to the vest to, to the point that we thought both, frankly, were not going to happen. And Haps, especially as it dragged on into the season, was like, well, there's no way this is going to happen. No one has said a word about this in, in weeks. And then it did. So I do think that that's not something that uh, Jed Hoyer prefers. And uh, at the same time, he is only half the party here. And Marcus Stroman is a very public 
uh, he's a very public person, a very public persona. He is often on social media interacting with fans and other players, and and that's just his personality. And he's been uh, vocal in the past, and I don't think it's it's perfectly within his own right to handle these negotiations however he wants to. Um, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work. I also think it's pretty easy to go out there and say you want an extension when you're playing the best baseball of your entire life. Hey, God bless, do whatever, you know. I, I think that's the right time to talk about it. Um, I think the problem here is that the incentives for both sides aren't going to quite line up. So uh, for Marcus Stroman, you know, or for the Cubs at a point like this, extending him right now is necessarily going to require some sort of, um, you know, hometown discount, let's say, given where the Cubs are in the season. It's not a great time to start committing resources before you know exactly where this season's headed or where next year is going. And that's especially true with the free agent class this offseason that is very deep and strong in starting pitching. For Marcus Stroman on the flip side, why would he have any reason to offer that sort of discount? Uh, for one, he's pitching great. For another, um, he has a an option for next year, a, a player option. So if things go sideways um, or he gets hurt the rest of the year, he can just uh, opt right back into a $20-plus million deal and be better for it. Or if he continues to pitch like a legitimate ace, then he can ride that right into free agency and score big. And he's not going to be connected to draft pick compensation, so that unburdens him from any sort of limiting factors in free agency. So there's really not a good reason for him to offer any sort of discount to the Cubs that might make the Cubs say, okay, we're going to forego any possible other options or even including uh, potentially trading you at the deadline if the season does go sideways in the next six weeks and to, to make sure you'll be here uh, for the long term. So there's a little bit of a mismatch of incentives. Now, all of that aside, if the Cubs rattle off a ton of wins and look like they're going to push forward this year and, and maybe buy at the deadline, something crazy, like they really get hot, well, then maybe you can reconsider it. And by contrast, if they completely fall off the map and are sure to be selling, well, then it would be, it would be unwise of them to not even check in with Marcus Stroman to have a, a sense of what he might be looking for because you still might want him next year. Drew Smiley can opt out. Kyle Hendricks can be a free agent. Um, and then you're left with not a lot in your rotation because um, guys like Hayden Wisniewski, Ben Brown aren't, aren't you know, sure things. Uh, so they, they will want to check in. You want to at least know what you're giving up by trading him. Uh, so I do think that there's still an opportunity. It's just going to require the just exact right circumstances. And right now that's a little tough to see. Before I let you run, I, I am curious, just, just to stick with the Stroman thing for a moment here, because the like, if the Cubs – whether it's trading him away or letting him go in free agency. I mean, you know, they signed him last year. He, Suzuki, that was kind of the the initial inkling that, yeah, they weren't trying to do too much in 2022, but that was kind of the initial sign that they are beginning to put pieces in place, building blocks in place to work back towards winning. And now the level he's performing at, and frankly, you know, Suzuki has been impressive this season as well, not on the Stroman level, but, you, you know, you're seeing productivity there. What do you? What other pitcher do you go get? What do you do with next season for 2024 when we're anticipating that's the year that they're going to try to win at a higher level? If Strowman's not here, then who is here to lead the staff? Yep, that would require a lot of faith, let's say, in uh, Justin Steele, right? And But uh, that's not all. So maybe you hang on to Kyle Hendricks because he looks like he's a rejuvenated version of himself. Maybe you feel better about 
Peyton Westneski or, again, Ben Brown, um, uh, Jordan Wicks, some of these guys that are coming up through the Cubs. Classroom system that could be here as soon as, you know, the end of this season uh, or certainly next year. And then, again, like I said, the free agent market this year is actually has a lot of starting pitchers uh, available, and, and that is one route the Cubs can go. But your point isn't missed. I'm almost just playing devil's advocate for the sake of conversation. Yeah, Marcus Stroman is pitching really well. He's extremely healthy, athletic. He's uh, leading the league in quality starts. He's, I think he's third in total innings pitched. He has, you know, a repertoire that doesn't rely on velocity to overwhelm pitchers. He's able to attack both sides of the zone. You know, he keeps his body and mind in tip-top shape. He's the kind of guy that you might want to build around. And I, I agree that uh, finding common ground, if you are anticipating another good season, and, or anticipating a good season in 2024, I want to say another, and the Cubs are five games under, whatever they are, um, then, then yes, you would be digging yourself a hole. But again, the Cubs may have their eyes on some other pitching target uh, and, and the opportunity at the deadline to trade one of the best pitchers in baseball, if they're completely out of it, might be too overwhelming to pass up. Uh, that's not ideal. I don't want that to happen. I don't want the Cubs uh, to sell again. I don't want to cover another selling deadline. But uh, if you get there and you're in fourth or fifth place and you're way out of the race, well, you, you know, it's malpractice not to explore those those options. And again, if Stroman is pitching as well as he is, then the offers could be significant. And you can't just pass that up because um, – you know, you hope he's able to repeat what he does or extend him at a time when he's at the, the top of his game. So it's a little bit of, it's, it's certainly a complicated conversation. Um, I hope the Cubs keep him around. I hope the Cubs play so well that it would be absurd to even consider trading him at the deadline. That makes everything <laughs> a lot easier, right? Just keep winning right. and then you don't have to worry about it right now. You can worry about it in the offseason if you want. Exactly. And real quick, before I let you go, because I've had a couple of people on the text line reference. I was talking about London earlier in the show. I'm going to do it some more next segment. A couple of texters have said they're actually going to London. Have you? Are there going to be many Cubs fans that are going to be there for the games in London? Because I really kind of assumed this was more geared towards just getting locals in London there to, to check out the series against the Cardinals. But are you hearing that there's going to be many Chicagoans traveling over? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, just based on comments on our website at Bleacher Nation or on our Twitter uh, page, you see people planning their trips and talking about where they're staying and where they're going to be eating and, and which obvious shirt, uh, you know, you know, uh, England-themed <laughs> obvious shirt they're planning to wear for the game. And um, I think there's definitely going to be Cubs fans there. Will they outnumber the, the Brits? <laughs> Probably not, but I, I don't think you'll uh, – you won't see only confused faces in the stands of people not understanding the game. There'll be some Cubs fans there, um, and maybe even some Cardinals fans if they <laughs> yeah, if those right. poor souls are uh, <laughs> making the trip. Yeah, pocket's not quite as deep as the Cubs fans, to your point there, but... Yeah. Yeah, hope everyone who goes over there has a great time. We're going to give them a, a few travel tips from my time in London and let some folks know uh, just in case they are going to head overseas and check it out. Appreciate your time tonight, though, Michael. Great stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Michael Sarami of Bleacher Nation. You can find him on Twitter at Michael underscore Sarami. Yes, a European vacation for the folks on the north side. We will address that next on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I gotta say, there's a certain age group who may be less familiar with this song. This is the voice of Lindsey Buckingham. The movie that I am most familiar with this from is National Lampoon's European Vacation. Came out in 1985, starring Chevy Chase. Is I don't know, it's like a dozen vacation movies with Chevy Chase playing Clark Griswold. I guess the the most popular one is probably. Christmas Vacation, but for me, my favorite, just kind of like, you know, Rocky Four isn't necessarily the best of the Rocky movies, but it's my favorite of the Rocky movies. I don't think European Vacation is necessarily the best out of the Vacation movies, but it's my favorite. It's the one I remember. It was like the first one I saw as a fairly young kid, and I don't know, it, it spoke to me for whatever reason. Just watching this family over in Europe, all the you know, the misadventures going on with Clark and Ellen and the kids. I don't know. They, they had a different Audrey and, and, and Russ, Rusty, and basically every one of those movies. But they won a vacation on, um, you know, on what the pig and the poke, I think, was the name of the show. They win a vacation. They get the flight. They go overseas. And they just experience all, all different things in Europe. And I wasn't completely sure how invested Cubs fans were in their opportunity to go over to London. Last time it was the Yankees and the Red Sox. It's one thing for folks from New England to get the opportunity to go over to Old England for the first time. Eat some of the same. My wife's from New England. So, you know, eat some of the same stuff over there. Eat your potatoes and put butter and salt on everything and have your very bland palate. That's just kind of how New England folks eat because that's how Old England folks end up eating as well. But... We enjoyed our trip to London. We went. We took our son when he was still like one and a half or something like that. We went over to Europe in 2019, went to London specifically in 2019, and had a great trip, man. Had a great time. And so it was good to hear. We've had some folks on the text line tonight, 312-644-6767. Go ahead and shoot me a text uh, and let me know what you're looking forward to. If you are going over to London, following the Cubs over there, I'll give you a few tips, just a few thoughts from my experience when we went over there. Uh, prepare for the time change. There's no doubt about that because it's, it's like a, a six-hour time difference. You're going six hours into the future as far as the difference uh, for Chicago time when you head over to London. So go at night would be my advice. We, we ended up flying there at night. That allowed our one-year-old to sleep on the plane. We splurged. For uh, you know, for some upgraded seats, and, you know, and the the business class area of the plane 
wasn't that full. So not only, and, you know, our son was still a laptop at that point. So the thought was, I don't buy myself a business class seat, buy the wife a business class, business class seat. And then I'll just sleep. You know, my son's pretty big for being one and a half, but we'll just let him sleep on my chest or whatever throughout the majority of the flight. Fortunately, business class had a bunch of open seats. So the flight attendant was just like, ah, just put him in another seat. He's fine. Had like the lay down seat experience there. Go ahead and let him get some good sleep on that plane so he was nice and ready. But make sure, I would say, prioritize flying at night from here. You'll land there the following day, fairly early in the day. But get sleep on the plane over there, even though you're going to be very excited about traveling to London because you actually want to have the energy and the wherewithal while you're going to be jet lagged. But get some sleep on that flight. Fly overnight on the way there. Once you get there, there's all kinds of attractions. That's a fairly pricey city, but you know if you're accustomed to things being pricey in Chicago, just go ahead and plan ahead. You'll be able to handle some of the pricey things in London, and don't be afraid to do some of the touristy types of stuff. They got the tube. You know, it's kind of you know it's not an elevated train. It's not the L like we have in Chicago. It's mainly underground indoors. Now be prepared when you're going to take the uh, escalator down to the tube. It's at most of the stops there, when you're taking the escalator down to the tube, it's a really long escalator. You feel like you were going to the center of the earth. If you have an issue with tight spaces, if you're claustrophobic, just say some, you know, say some kind of nomyoho rengeki or whatever you got to say. Just do something, some wusai to have yourself prepared to just stay calm and be ready to go towards the center of the earth to take the tube when you're going from one spot to the next. But it is a fairly easy city to navigate directionally but it can be very busy. It's obviously one of the biggest, busiest cities on the planet, but it's worth getting from A to B to C. Just be prepared if you're going to take the tube. You can navigate it. Just be ready for that escalator ride down. You think of Navy Pier in Chicago. We've got the Ferris wheel there. When you go to the area with the London Eye, their gigantic Ferris wheel, it's worth your time. You don't necessarily have to spend a bunch of money when you get there, but there are going to be a bunch of sort of, you know, surrounding kind of events and restaurants and things to do once you get there but if you buy something called the london pass we got the london pass when we get there and it's basically just a little you know kind of travel card where you can pay in advance for having a a handful of you really pay for all the different things you actually want the possibility of including on your london pass but it'll give you the ability to save a decent amount of money on all the different attractions that you're going to partake of when you get there, and as opposed to just kind of one-off a la carte style, paying for this here, paying for that there, if you plan ahead and then have the London Pass and see the list of the various attractions that you think you might be interested in, then you'll just be able to download the London Pass app and then just kind of choose that once you get there. But the London Pass, we found that to be really helpful, really useful once we went over there. And then, you know, you're only let's assume you're just going to be there for the weekend, maybe a long weekend. Uh, just beyond the amount of time the Cubs are going to be there. It's going to be worth your time, I, I think, to use that. and It'll save you a little bit of money in doing it. I don't know if you're a museum buff. We do like museums as well uh, when we go there. So we found multiple museums in London that we really enjoyed. Um, you know, art galleries are huge there, of course. If you're bringing kids, maybe that's going to bore them a little bit. Fortunately, with a one-year-old, we just kind of walked him around in the stroller till he fell asleep. And then we just strolled him around the museums and the art galleries while we took some of that in. Uh, the, the Tower Bridge, just a, a common mistake, the Tower Bridge is different from the actual London Bridge. The kind of bigger, 
newer looking, more grand bridge that's there is the Tower Bridge. The London Bridge is actually kind of small and rinky-dink, and it's not too far from the Tower Bridge, but people often get one confused with the other. But the, the one that you think of that has kind of two levels to it, one has like a more of a pedestrian area that's up high, and then the lower areas where the, the vehicle traffic, the vehicular traffic drives around on the lower second level to the Tower Bridge. It looks great, looks majestic, and it's worth going up there. There's probably going to be a bit of a line, especially with a lot of U.S. tourists who might be in town uh, during this time. But Tower Bridge, different from London Bridge, but the Tower Bridge is the one that's going to look better and probably be more, not probably, it's definitely more picturesque than, than the London Bridge. But everyone tends to assume the nicer-looking bridge is the London Bridge because of the, the song that, Everyone got sang to them as a kid. You know, London Bridge is falling down. But no, that, that's not it. It's actually the, the Tower Bridge. But go check that out. Don't have your hopes too high about the food. Obviously, Chicago is, is one of the best food cities on the planet. Uh, London, I mean, you, you can find good food. But don't just assume every restaurant you step into is going to have great grub. We're we're more flavorful, we're more eclectic with our palate here in Chicago than a lot of the other places around the globe. So I, I wouldn't necessarily go there and expect that you're going to get the same culinary experience hands down. Kind of plan for that going in with the restaurant, with the you know particular type of food that you're going to try and target when you get there. Then um, you know try to enjoy it in that way. Um, Toy stores, like if you don't have young people with you, but you want to think, bring things back for young people. Uh, I think it's what it's Copley Square. I think maybe um, um, you know where you can actually go and and get some, you know, do some good shopping there. It's kind of like their Mag Mile kind of area, uh, but be ready to spend some money when you go. But they've got good, cool things that you can buy there. All kinds of churches and, and cathedrals there. Um, you know, outdoor parks certainly are are things that you can partake of while you're there. Try to get outside of London at least a little bit to, I guess I'll use the, the domestic, the American term, kind of suburban London with some other palaces that are going to be nearby. Maybe not all the way to Stonehenge. If you want to hit Stonehenge, you can do it. It's close enough, but you know, be ready to drive. Be prepared to drive on the opposite side of the road to get there. But we didn't do Stonehenge while we were there. If we go back a second time, then we'll definitely try to hit Stonehenge that time around. But we stayed kind of closer to London and kind of surrounding metropolitan London. Hit a couple of different castles or palaces there. And, I mean, it's really cool. And they got all kinds of tours when you go and you make that happen. And all that surrounding the actual baseball game or games uh, themselves when you take it in. It's a big city. It's an expensive city. But if you haven't been yet and you're planning to go for the first time, I at least wanted to give you just a little bit of a rundown for what I enjoyed about London, the changing of the guard, especially if you're an old band geek like me. Uh, I, I kind of got a kick out of that. Not only the militaristic aspect of it outside of of, um, uh, of the, the Palace of London itself, but usually there's a band that's going on there, and there's some marches that happen on a pretty consistent basis throughout the week. Research that in advance as well to know what day and what time you may see almost like a full parade that takes place um, outside of the, the palace. So there's a lot of beautiful things to see, great topography and and structurally, you know, it's a city that, like Chicago, the skyline is one of the great skylines on the planet. London has just some some really cool imagery that you can take in just for what the what the city it has available to it visibly, visually. So 
I hope you have a great time if you are going to head over and check out the Cubs in London and try to make sure you actually experience, even if you don't buy a thing. You know, maybe you just go to a couple of pubs, have a few small snacks, have a couple of pints while you're going to be there just to try and save some money. But at least try to hit a few different spots just visually to check out what London has to offer because it's definitely worth your time. So if you're going to have that European vacation, make sure you take it in. We're going to work our way back around in the next hour to what the Bears quarterback will have available to him in Paris as well. Like I said, hit me up on the text line at 312-644-6767. I see some folks already doing that also uh, just to oh, give a sense. And I'll give, uh, give you a few shout-outs from the text line later on in the show just for what your experience either was when you went to London before, what you're hoping for if you are planning to head to London with the Cubs in the days to come here. There was a really interesting moment and it was I was texting with Tyler about it during the game, during the broadcast today on the Marquee Network that just timed up, I guess, perfectly, you know, for those of us who were kind of taking it in. I'll tell you what happened on the TV broadcast. We'll play some of it back for you here. We'll do that next on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Here comes the pitch to McGu- Amaya. Amaya cracks one in the air. Deep left field. It's got a chance. Goal! Miguel Amaya with a long home run to left. Cubs lead one to nothing. Dansby Swanson hits a high drive. Deep left center. It's got a chance. Goal! Dansby Swanson hits one out in left center, a towering drive. It got about five rows deep. And now the Cubs lead by a score of two to nothing. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That's how it sounded here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The voice of the great Pat Hughes, as always. On the home run calls there for the Miguel Amaya home run. It was a scoreless game in the bottom of the third. And Amaya took a changeup, 83-mile-an-hour changeup. Took that one yard, about 390 feet. And then, later in the inning, Dansby Swanson ends up homering to left center. Another changeup, 84-mile-an-hour changeup. And, uh, and Tyler ended up playing. He played the uh, Christopher Morrell home run to left center. That was the longest one of the group, but they were all solo shots. Tyler and I were texting back and forth a bit during the game. I was a little bit concerned because, yeah, they had a 3 nothing lead, but they, they were all so, solo shots. Tyler wasn't, wasn't too concerned about it. Uh, real quick, because there, there's a different version of this that we're going to transition into in a moment, but I, I am intrigued, uh, Tyler. What, why were you – you seem fairly confident, I would say, in your text response. Like, ah, whatever, they got runs. That's all I need is runs. But, you know, we've seen this this team not necessarily always respond well to a lead this season. I was a little bit worried with the, the solo home runs going. You were pretty confident at that point. Why were you so confident? It's actually funny you say that because – I wasn't trying to be confident. I was just saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really glad that the Cubs are putting some runs on the board because I think uh, you know just as much as I do, Big Ant, that that's been the Cubs. One of their biggest problems is the pitching has been really, really good more games than not, but they just struggle to put up runs. So I hear you. I'm like, heck yeah, I'd really want to see some, you know, two, three run of home runs, but I'll take some offense, especially with they're averaging what, like Pat said, nine point four runs per game the last couple games. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, it's not half bad, man. And the way it actually played out 
on the TV broadcast was kind of cool because of the fact that you know every Friday they have um, you know Fridays with Rossi and they at the uh, at the onset of the bottom of the third or really whichever end of the third inning David Ross uh, is there for then they get a chance to uh, put the headset on the Cub skipper and and chat with him the Boog and the gang uh, or Boog and the gang get to talk to him a little bit during the broadcast and on the TV broadcast in this scoreless game in the bottom of the third inning. David Ross has the headset on. This one kind of snuck up on everybody, and, and Boog and everybody had to catch up a little bit, but it was actually in the middle of, of Rossi talking a little bit. He kind of turned into the play-by-play. Let's first hear the way it sounded with Miguel Amaya's home run. And these guys, a little more aggressive, I thought, really, um, you know, some, some, yeah, baby. That's what I was talking about. Left field, and that one is gone. That is outstanding. Play-by-play play from the manager. <laughs> Amaya with the home run, and it's one nothing. Brought to you by Toyota. <laughs> Good manager, Rossi. <laughs> to college, you give him the home run sign. Gosh, <laughs> I'm sorry to you guys. I I check out this half inning. <laughs> and with the brought to you by Toyota and everything, and I mean for, especially in a game where you get a second consecutive start, a quality start from a. Or a, a a good start, a very well-pitched game from Kyle Hendricks as well, where he's holding the opposing lineup down. And for that connection between he and Miguel Amaya to continue to show growth there, and then Amaya, while they're in the midst of trying to discuss that with Rossi, the fact that Amaya hits one out of the park and you get the reaction from Rossi there was just kind of a, you know, a good, a, a natural level of joy that you hear from him. And it's just in the midst of him you know, having the headset on and essentially being mic'd up during a TV broadcast we've all come accustomed to during during baseball games where the, the managers are willing to to at least throw the headset on for a quick interview. But then that wasn't it. That wasn't all, man. Like later in the very same inning, in the bottom of the third, as they're just continuing the conversation with David Ross, this happens with Dabby Sponson. That's how it is when you're young. Get up, ball. In the air, out towards left center. This is going to change. Supplying the offense, Dansby Swanson a homer, Amaya and Swanson with solo blast, and it's 2 nothing. This is how you get me off more often, boys. <laughs> now, whether you want to call it, you know, uh, some good juju, some some momentum, some confidence, um, some luck, whatever it is, but we know that baseball players are as superstitious as any any group of athletes and coaches as can be. So, you know, th- this may transition from a thing where we just get this on Fridays with David Ross to maybe there's going to be some kind of a, a daily trend. A- every broadcast perhaps will have some version of this where David Ross is throwing the headset on just hoping to generate some runs if, if there's some sort of scoreless action that's going on for more than a couple of innings. David Ross might be asking for the headset at that point with uh, the way that played out. And it wasn't only while he had the headset on. That, uh, that Christopher Morell home run that Tyler Farringo played earlier, you know, that one was in the very same inning. So it went from a scoreless game, 0-0 in the bottom of the third. Uh, very quickly, by the end of that inning, was 3 nothing, And then, of course, as we know, the Cubs end up winning 10-3. to A part of that five strong innings from Kyle Hendricks, but then also that Cubs offense that has really been hammering the ball here as of late.
And uh, it, that part has no doubt been fun to watch. When you get that starting pitching combined with this offense, and an, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to continue to come up with additional adjectives for how, how awful, uh, how, how woeful, I don't think I've used woeful yet, how woeful the NL Central is, then the Cubs are, are sitting pretty, man. Things are looking, things looking good right now on the north side if they can keep this combination of elements going. Problem has been, we've seen versions of this before and they haven't been able to keep it going. But we will see how that ends up looking moving forward here. Now, the South Side, bit of a different story here as of late. Let's take a time out, come back, let's talk some White Sox baseball. We'll do it with one of the best scribes in town next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 